0: This is my goblet. I picked it out with my husband Doug and our three kids, Aaron, Allie, and Zach. We picked that out after we had read the book by Henry Nowen. Can you drink this cup? Can you drink the cup? And in that book, Nowen uh, relays the story of the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When they came to ask Jesus, and they asked him, she asked him, "Can you make it so my sons will sit on your right and your left when you come into your kingdom?" And he answered, and he said, uh, "Well, he didn't answer. He asked another question because that's what Jesus does, right?" He said, uh, "Can can you drink the cup that I am about to drink?" Uh, because they were thinking about the power and the glory. And he was aware there's, there, you know, there's that for sure, but there's also the sorrow and the suffering. That's life. And this book talks about how um, in our lives, we all have a mixture of all that. And the invitation is for us to take hold of our whole life, to drink it all down to the very dregs, knowing that whatever comes our way is through the hands of our good God. For almost 40 years now, the years of Hillcrest before and the years during my time of staff, this church has been incredibly important to me. <clears throat> the vast majority, majority of it has been very, very good. And, um, but even and especially in the hard times, that's where God grew me. Taught me to give people the benefit of the doubt, give grace, taught me to uh, admit wrong, to ask forgiveness, to forgive, to grow healthier boundaries, and of course, learn about God. And even better than that, to experience God. And I did that through worship, through God's word, but mostly it's been through God's people where I've been formed. And the goodness I received and even the wounds all have been a part of what that cup has held for me and God has used it for good. So our little family came here in 1982 when Aaron was just little and uh, we had just moved and a neighbor said, we were at another church and she said, you know, really, you should try Hillcrest. It's just up the street. And so a little reluctantly, we did try it. We came here one time, and we never left. Hillcrest, do you know how wonderful you are? This is a beloved church. Do you realize how we've been shepherded through the good times and the hard times? Through my time of being 40 years, but also the 20 years before that, God has cared for this church beautifully. And, of course, it's in hindsight when things become really clear, and I'm about at that point. And I tell you, it's been quite the ride, and I wouldn't have wanted to be on this ride with anyone but you. I have three words and phrases with which I will organize this message, and the first one is, behold. That's not a word I normally use. And behold means to look, to see, to notice. But I wanted to use behold because it carries more weight. And I want you to know the weight of these things. I mentioned the clarity of hindsight, and in that hindsight there are so many images that capture my attention. And um, as with photos on your phone, when I'm scrolling through my photos... The, thing, the, the photos that capture my attention are the ones of people. And right now, the photos that really capture my attention are the ones of my grandkids. And out of those, it's not the one where they're posed. They know that they're being taken, taken a picture of. It's the one when they're unposed. And even better than that, it's the unposed photos of grandchildren loving each other. That's what really gets to me. It's the same as when I, when I look back on Hillcrest. There were big events, big efforts. We've done big things. But what, it, what be, happened between those programs that I see as a connective tissue, that's what holds it all together. That's what holds us all together. Not anything that you would see in our annual report that we do every year. Instead, these are glimpses which reveal us as the images, reflections of Christ's body. His hands, his feet, his eyes. They, they're the things that don't call attention to themselves. No one's posing. And that's what reveals who we are really as a church. <clears throat> for communion here, when I first came, we used to sit in pews and we, they'd pass the um, trays of little uh, glasses of juice and little pieces of uh, bread, wafers, and we, they'd send them up and down the aisles and we'd sit in our pews and we'd take it and we put them right back in that little hole there and then you'd mess with them the rest of the time. <laughs> then we changed and we started coming up for communion and that is where I fell in love with communion. I love to serve communion. I love to receive communion. But my very favorite part of communion was after I'd had communion, sitting in my seat, relaxed, and just watching, watching the people come up for communion. This is who we are. You know, knowing the stories, wondering who people are. And there's one image that uh, probably happened 20 years ago or more that I remember. And I was sitting here, and right over here, there was a woman that I knew, single woman, uh, and she was struggling mightily in her life. And she was standing there, waiting in line, and she looked a little uncomfortable and a little little self-conscious. And then, up, up behind her came another woman. And this woman put her hands lightly on the shoulders of the woman in front of her. And that woman glanced back and smiled, and then you could just see her kind of visibly relax. She kept her hands on her shoulders, when up behind her came her husband, and he leaned over and he kissed her on the back of the head. He kissed his wife on the back of the head. And I remember that image so clearly: the two people standing, the three in line, all waiting to have communion together. That's it, that little picture indelible all three people have moved away but i can see them the one in need the one seeing the need and moving in with a touch the one seeing his wife touching and kissing her it all it all goes through and that's the way it is with the whole church we see a need we bless we're blessed in the blessing they're blessed in the blessing in the blessing that's how it spreads throughout the church Here's another little scene. It was when we used to do really big VBSs. And I was downstairs on a break, had, was coming out of Fellowship Hall with a snack. You have to have a snack during VBS, lots of them. And I walked out and I looked up and sitting on the steps going up from Fellowship Hall was one of the leaders of fourth grade. And she was sitting there next to a fourth grade boy. And I could hear her, and she was uh, looking at him, not unkindly, but rather intently. And she she said to him, listen, I want you to tell me what just went on in there. I want you to give me the straight skinny. And the boy looked up at her, and he started talking. And she just kind of casually put her arm, just rested on his shoulders. And as I left, you could see their heads almost touching, and he's talking and talking and talking. And then there was a time, maybe four years ago, <clears throat> right in the middle of worship, like right in Taunton right now, we had a guest preacher, the power went off. Some of you remember that. There were no lights. There was no sound. There was no amplification. And so we just said, we're done. Everyone came streaming out of the sanctuary. The adults came out of their classrooms. The children were brought upstairs to be with their parents. And it was like, school's out. You know, classes are, classes are canceled. And it was, uh, it was just a great uh, vibe. People were cheery and chatting. The kids were up, and I was standing up there, and then it was Quinn, actually, young, not even two. She comes up, and she's with her parents, and then she's, then they see that I'm watching her, and she kind of toddles around. You know how little kids do between people's legs? You know, just happy as a clam. She could do whatever she wanted to do. And so she kept kind of m- moving, and I kept following her, and the band was in here... Continuing to play only with you know acoustically, just kind of quietly, just kind of jamming up here. Quinn hears that, and so she comes. She comes up the aisle. I'm following her. She comes up, and she leans against the stage here, just just leaning and listening, looking up. Daniel was there playing his guitar right over there. Daniel continues to play his guitar as she's leaning there, and he gets down. So we can look at her eye level, and he says, Hi there, darling. I love you. Quinn just looks at him, and then she walks away and leaves. And I saw that. It was so small, and I pondered that in my heart, seeing how the love of God is mediated through us. It's people, and then they mediate it through others. Fast forward a couple months ago, this same girl, she's five now. We came up here on a Saturday. I needed to get a few things from my office. It was all dark, flipped on some lights. Nobody was here, and she could go wherever she wanted to go. And this time, she passed by the sanctuary, and she went down the hall. She was following me to my office, And then she came to the coffee center and she stops in front of the center and she sighs and she says, this is where the people used to come so they could talk to each other before the sickness. And I tell her all the time, Gwen, it's coming. The time's coming. Every day it's sooner when we're going to be able to do that again. These are the glimpses, the tiny pictures, and there are hundreds and thousands and probably millions, if you can imagine what what we all have. And these are glimpses, I would say, of the kingdom of God. We don't have to wait for heaven. The kingdom of God is right in our midst. So, to life as we behold the kingdom of God right in our midst to life. The second phrase for this morning is take heart. It's not a phrase I necessarily use, but it is a good one, and I love, my favorite time it's used in the Bible is when Jesus says it, and he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The hard times in the history of Hillcrest since my arrival here here in uh, 82, there's been a handful. There's not a, a lot. But when you have go through a hard time at a church, it makes a mark, doesn't it? You don't forget it. And um, I think about uh, it wouldn't be surprising that there would be some tough times in a church actually, because we call ourselves Art the church family. And since we know how families can be, In this world, you will have trouble. It's happened not often, but it's enough that um, it happens in the midst of explosive growth. It happens when there's decline. We've had times of great congeniality, and then we've had times when there's not that, and those are hard in a way that I don't think anything else is. We've had people that have been, we've had actually divisions, over the building, over particularly particular emphasis people wanted to do, over uh, uh, ways that we want to worship, programs we should do, programs we should never do. It just, it just, there's a lot of ways that people can be divided. And the one about the building. And then there was a time when the building that was fought over caught fire. That was in 1995. And no one was hurt uh, but it was bad enough that we couldn't worship here. The staff had to move out to what used, we used to have a parsonage up on the hill where we worship now. And instead, we worshiped on a Sunday morning at the auditorium of Shawnee Mission East. And it was glorious. We were there after this hard thing, and we were looking around at each other, and we're not sad, we're thankful. We see each other in a way that you don't see each other in your usual setting. We see how precious things are, and that's what adversity does for us, doesn't it? The dross is burnt away. We're purified, we're deepened. The church is purified and even pruned. And you know what pruning does, don't you? It forces roots to go down deeper and fruit to be more lush, and also pruning shapes. And our God, Jesus, the head of this church, has a particular shape that he means Hillcrest to be. I've wondered if the pruning that we've gone through over the years has been maybe we've gone a little someplace that we're not supposed to be going. And God brings us back, prunes us, purifies us. We see what's at core. We see what's, at, what's important to us. We become more resilient. We stop uh, operating on autopilot. It's good. It's good to be pruned. That's when we can pray the welcoming prayer that Brad just mentioned. The first line goes, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. And that could be the point. I don't think that God cares that much about programs. Events, numbers, do you? I don't think so. I think that He cares about us individually and as a church if we are growing to be looking more like Jesus. Whether we're big or small, it doesn't matter. So, to life, take heart in the good times, in the hard times, in everything in between. Take heart to life. And then also, those first two points of behold and take heart remind me of a commencement speech that I heard a few years ago in a seminary. And I don't know who the speaker was. I don't have any idea anything else he said, but I do remember this. And he's talking to uh, freshly graduated seminarians. He says to them... If you do not remember a thing from all your years in classes in seminary, remember this. Love the church and trust the Spirit. Love the church and trust the Spirit. If you can do that, you will shepherd anyone well. And that's good for us too. The third and last phrase is be thankful. And I quote from Philippians chapter four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. We human beings have a hard time staying in the present. We look We look at the at the past longingly or regretfully kind of stay there we look to the future as we plan for what's going to happen next but it is in the present where we meet God we don't meet him there or there right here that's where we experience God presence God's peace God's provision And then even as Paul is writing those words in Philippians, he uses the present tense verb, is. What is there right now that we can be thankful for? And that is where God's provision is, and the verses in Philippians uh, ask us to do. And with regard to the church, even with our masks, even with all of our distance, we have so much to be thankful for. We are on the verge of the next chapter in the life of this church, and we have learned through a variety of difficulties that we are not the ones in charge. Jesus is clearly the head of the church, loved this loves this church so much, has a good future, and in this future is the ideal lead pastor that's coming in Nate Powell. It's going to be really good. He's coming, things are opening up, Easter's around the corner, and even as we anticipate these good things and thank God, we thank God for more, for his presence, for his sustenance, redemption, provision, word, God's spirit, for the stories in the Bible and for the stories in our life. For this season with all the unknowns, we can thank God because God is in charge, and we can breathe a sigh of relief because we are in the very best of hands. Truly, God does work everything for good. We can say that kind of blithely, but it is so good. It's such good news because it's completely true all the time. To life, with thanksgiving for everything that has come our way is now and will. Thank you, God, to life.